This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp again. Second live stream of the day. If you didn't hear Tim Ash's earlier, go back and check it out, all the different channels. Again, live here, Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, LinkedIn. So if you can't find us, it's probably not me, it's you. No, seriously, though, we're on all these different channels. Check it out. And, uh, of course, the podcast episode will be live at some point as well. Today's, uh, not today's, this topic now, we're going to be talking about creativity. Why does it matter? Uh, why should we care? And, of course, it's always a topic that people are debating because everybody just wants leads. Nobody wants creativity. We did have Sam Horn already on the show talking to us about um, the importance of actually creating content and creating things that matter and that people can relate to. So today's guest, I'll bring him in from the green room here on Switcher Studios. Um, that's the platform I use to produce these shows. Uh, SwitcherStudio.com, use Trap1 if you want to give it a try. And I think they currently have a two-week free trial as well. So definitely would recommend them. Adam Morgan is the is a cre- executive uh, cre- creative director at Adobe and a top uh, creative out there. Adam, how's it going today? It's going great. Thanks for having me. And um, you are one of my favorite types of guests to come on these shows because you said some. I didn't know you, right, even though I worked with Adobe before. But, of course, Adobe is a huge company. And you said something smart somewhere, and I thought, this guy needs to come on the show. We need to talk about creativity. Thanks for being awesome. Well, I have no idea what I said. Hopefully it was some Kurt <laughs> Ferguson of a comment. So you're welcome. It was something. It was a while ago. I know we booked, <laughs> the, we booked these out a while. So let's talk about creativity. Um, why is it important? Uh, what should people think about? And, and, and how, do we, uh, how can we be more creative? Well, you know, this is, this is definitely a debate that's gone back to the 70s, at least as far as my recollection in the industry as being a creative but, you know, today we have pushed so much on the whole thought of data-driven marketing, uh, which is great. We have a lot of great new technology. Uh, in fact, you know, I'm, my company, Adobe, is, you know, we handle, you know, some of the largest companies in the world with their analytics and, and with their behavioral data. But it's gotten to a point where it's like the pendulum has swung too far, um, where we just keep thinking, oh, is, as long as we're measuring it, therefore... Um, therefore it's, uh, if we're measuring the data, that's the only thing we can do. And that's the answer. And I really feel like we need to bring that pendulum back, back to the middle, um, where it's like that balance between emotion and logic. And that's really the big debate. Um, I did a huge, a lot of research on this, not just in my, my daily practice as a creative director, but I wrote a book on it because I had so many problems where people were like, oh, we just need to just follow you know, logical, straightforward data and screw all the, the, the creativity stuff. It's just window dressing. So for me, it, it was, it's been a journey of how do I prove that 
creativity actually is better for the bottom line. It's not just window dressing. It's not just for funsies, um, but creative thoughts, creative ideas, creative um, pivots, all of that. And we're talking about really when we, when I say creative, I'm speaking to emotional experiences. Um, I, I could go off on this forever, but you know, if, if today it's all about the customer experience, right? It's all, it's not going to be about, um, you know, the other commodities of how fast and what, you know, whatever you've got going with operations or if it's, you know, with finance, or whatever, it's going to be, how are you creating experiences that connect with customers? And at the heart of that, there's a great definition of an experience, which is an emotional connection to a moment. So how are we creating those emotional connections to those moments and then connecting that to um, better loyalty, better love from our customers, et cetera. So to me, it, there's, there's this huge, huge important gap where it's not just data. Data is important, but that's the start. Data is where we learn about our customers and find out what they care about. And once we have that information, once we know what matters to them, then we have to wrap it in this emotional storytelling and in this, you know, in these great emotional experiences that then create a connection. And if you want to get really deep into it, I can get into like all the neuroscience and all the, you know, I did so many studies for my book that were, I tried to prove like, it's not a subjective thing. So often in creativity is just subjective, like, oh yeah, we can have it or not have it. But really the way humans are wired, it's not subjective. It's the way we work and we have to have emotion. We have to have that present to create memories, to lock in um, experiences, et cetera. So that's, that's just a little bit of diatribe. You can jump in wherever you want and we can dig deeper. And I will, no worries. Um, so if you're watching on the live stream, I know Adam kind of paused there for a second. I had, I pushed the wrong button. It happens. We're live on the air. <laughs> it said we're starting soon and we were already going live. So anyway, you'll learn as you go. We don't go for perfection here. We go for let's keep going. Let's keep sharing things. Seth Godin is coming up on the show and he said, you know what? I publish a blog post every day. Not because the next one is going to be the best one, but because tomorrow is another day and I said I'm going to publish a blog post every day. And so that's our, our uh, model here as well. Fair enough. So why do you think the pendulum has swung so far to the other side? I mean, it used to be, you know, let's be creative. Let's, you know, and we couldn't measure every, anything, right? And today, it's, it seems like some people want to measure every little bitty thing and spend more time. I mean... It's like some people measure stuff before they have even started. I'm like, what are you even measuring? Like, you haven't done mm -hmm. anything. Like, you know, why has it changed so much? What's, what's the matter with people? <laughs> <laughs> I think the matter with people is just we have all this new technology, right? Like there's in the past when everyone was just shooting from the hip and using their gut, you know, for decades, you were just feeling it out. And now we have all of these ways to actually measure. And so people are like, oh, great. That's the, that's the silver bullet. Let's measure everything. And you're right. Like we absolutely. Absolutely measure way too many things and we don't need to. What we really need to do is figure out like, what are the right things? What are the things that matter? And so that's what I'm getting at. It's like, we've swung it too far because technology has just given us that opportunity. We can measure every click, every, um, you know, slide, every friend, every whatever. And to be honest, like we really don't have a way still of measuring emotions. You know, most of the stuff that we measure are still just logical actions. I think that's the best we can get to that is behavioral data where we can see what people, like we can kind of guess at their intent. Um, but it's still just, it's just measuring it all. And so uh, too far, like, why do I think it's swung too far? Because I get comments like, uh, you know, someone will respond to me and say, oh, you know, we don't know need all this creative stuff. We've got this and they'll drop a link and it'll just go to like some analytics product or, you know, some measurement product. And it's just like, 
that doesn't answer everything. Like if you really, really understand analytics, it's not answering everything. It's just giving you clues. It's just giving you insights. It's just helping you see what's what's working and what's not. And in fact, what I've been pushing on is, is more of a direction of instead of just data-driven marketing, but it's more of data-driven creativity. And how do we get to that? And that's not, you know, the reality is this. Most people will do a big campaign and they'll do it the traditional way with all their rounds and rounds of revisions and internal reviews. And we finally, you know, put something out into the world and then we run it. And then there's no real learning from it. It's just maybe we learned, okay, you know, that isn't working or it is working. And we may optimize a bit, but we're not like really understanding, oh, here's what the, you know, what the customer cared about and what they didn't care about. No, what we need with real data-driven creativity is starting from the bottoms up, like throw out a ton of ideas, put things out in the world, stop just going to focus groups and guessing and hoping, and just put a ton of stuff out there and what's working, get good data on it, and then keep moving that up the chain and using that as your, as your platform. So the answer is start with more creativity and use data along the way, rather than put one little thing of creative out there and then measure it afterwards and not really do much. You know, what I like about that comment too is um, try things. And that's really what we're doing here, you know, Adam. I mean, we're doing a live stream, a couple hiccups here and there, whatever, let's move forward. And I try different channels, you know, Twitter, Periscope, Twitch. I still laugh about Twitch. I don't know why I'm on Twitch, mm -hmm. honestly, but I'm trying it. I want to see, you know, I might be the first marketer to broadcast their podcast to Twitch. I don't know, but I'm just testing, right? And it, but it's a yeah. life test. And then we put it over on, uh, on the podcast channels. And, and, and why not, right? Why not do those things? Um, let's talk about creativity. I did see a tweet from somebody yesterday. I think I asked them to come on the show, but I don't remember who it was now. Uh, but they said something about my best ideas don't happen in collaboration meetings. My best ideas happen hmm. when I'm at the gym or when I'm at, you know, at 3 a.m. in the morning, I wake up. Um, how do we, what are your tips to encourage creativity? And I actually, here's my quick story. I, I think I'm pretty creative, but I hate, I hate, hate, hate some of those collaborative sessions where they make me write stuff on a post-it note. Of course, today with COVID, we don't have too many of those anymore anyways, <laughs> but my handwriting is terrible. And then, you know, people make me write stuff and then they say, we can't read your handwriting. I'm like, I know you should have given me a computer keyboard. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so what are the mm -hmm. tips? How do we help people be creative? And is collaboration, that's part of creativity, right? Absolutely. But I think there are a lot of myths and people totally get it right. I mean, I have been creating and concepting ideas and campaigns for brands for 24 years. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of it. And I'll tell you this, like most of those of us who are creative and get into the flow state and get into the zone, it's never, ever, ever in a big meeting with a whole bunch of people. <laughs> Group brainstorming sessions are the worst. And I think those who don't do it a lot think that's how it works. And so they're like, oh, let's get together a huge group. and Let's have this big brainstorm meeting and we'll put a bunch of candy and we'll put some uh, toys on the table and some post-it notes. And that's how we're going to just like totally come up with the best way. It's, that's a bunch of blarky. Like that's not how it works. How it works with, with and in fact, it's, it's an interesting cause. Like most people who are designers and writers and you know, whatever, if you're, if you're coming up with something, it's a solitary act, meaning mm -hmm. you're trying to connect uh, disparate ideas together, right? That's really the act of creativity is you're taking a whole bunch of stuff and you're trying to find some new connections. You know, one thing over here over to another thing and make a new connection and display it in a new way. Like that's what most of creativity is in marketing. And when that happens, like there are certainly ways to get faster at it. If you want an awesome book, Doug Hall wrote a book 
that I read in like 1995, 96 changed my life. And it's called Jumpstart Your Brain. And it's all about how do you make those connections faster? And it's not big group brainstorming sessions. There's a lot of tips and tools and tricks you can do to become faster at that. The normal flow of a creative process is step one, you start by just inundating and filling the well. You have to read everything about the topic, think about it, just like soak every bit of information. And that's really finding all the different elements. Step two is making connections. And that's the hard work of just like, Doug Hall's book would help you with that, but it's like sitting back and does this work with this, this work with that, you know, just like making all those new connections. That's the hard work. And then you have to just leave it alone and you do the incubation period, which is in essence, you're trying to logically try and come up with a creative idea and it's not going to happen fast. That's your slow system. And so you need your subconscious brain to kick in and the, you know, the heavy machinery to start thinking about it. And that's why usually like when you're in a shower or driving or just kicking back at night, that's when ideas come is because you're finally just relaxed and your prefrontal cortex can just shut off and stop with all the logic. And then you get that connection and you have that eureka moment. Like that's the process. Like you've talked to people, thousands and thousands of creative people. That's the process of how you come up with ideas. And so I don't know where someone came up with this idea of let's just throw all the ideas together in a big meeting. And that's where we're going to get a eureka moment. The reality is this, here's how collaboration works. I will on my own come up with a whole bunch of ideas. My partner will come up with a whole bunch of ideas. We'll get our best together. And then those are now new inputs and we'll see, okay, here's a new connection that I didn't see together with that. Then we'll take those and separate. And now I have more input that I filled my well with and I'll come up with more ideas and refine the idea. And then we get back together. So it's a lot of together apart, together apart. Like that's how real good creativity happens. It's not like you sit down and you're going to solve it. And there's some good lessons in, in, if you're not just a creative, of how you can apply that to decision-making, how you can apply that to business. You know, I've read some great um, stories of, you know, in meetings, most people come into a meeting and they're like, I have this mental checklist of all the things I have to do, especially when we're talking about new ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Someone presents a new idea and they'll go through their mental checklist, which is the same thing as like steps one and two, like take all the input and then run it against your checklist. And then most people want to quickly make a decision right then and say, that's efficiency, I'm a better business leader if I can quickly jump to a decision. Mm-hmm. But I know real good intuitive leaders are the ones that soak it all in and give that incubation time to process. Like there are some stories of like the, the CEO of GM and others who are like, we're going to have this meeting, but we're going to make zero decisions today. We're going to let us think about it and then we'll make the decision tomorrow. That's great because now you're going through that same iterative process as, as the creative is. And if you use some of those kinds of things of like, <clears throat> when you're going into a meeting, don't just go with your checklist. It doesn't have to be the logic to be open to good ideas and be able to pivot. Because again, if creativity is the new differentiator in business, if it's the one thing that's going to change, you know, where we're moving forward, then you need to be open to that and then be able to just listen, soak it up and absorb, and then be able to accept emotional ideas rather than just, is it hitting my checklist? Sorry, I went off on that for a minute. No, no, no. Don't apologize for dropping all this knowledge. I mean, we do, we do appreciate it for sure. Um, really quickly, we do have a comment here on LinkedIn. So if you're listening on the podcast channels, uh, connect on LinkedIn. Amanda Milligan, she's the marketing director at Fractal. She also has a podcast, Cashing In on Content Marketing. You should listen to that. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Mm. Um, love hearing talk about over-measuring so many of the important things. Emotion, like Adam mentioned, connection, trust are tough to quantify. No disagreement it there. It is. It is no, no disagreement there. And the reason why it's really tricky is if you think about how we measure things, um, it, it really is like, let's take surveys. It's really just a logical checklist. Um, we do focus groups. It's really people trying to 
project what they think you want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, everything that we do is pretty logical and there's not really a, a foolproof way of measuring emotions. You know, uh, there's a great story, Paul Zak, the father of neuroeconomics. He found a formula where he could hook people up to fMRI machines or, you know, check their vagus nerve or check their, you know, sweat glands and get to like an 85% accuracy if they watched this certain thing and had these, he could measure those emotions. He could say, this is how much money they're going to spend, right? Like he could, he could tie emotions to money, but we can't do that with, we can't go hook all our customers up to machines like that. Um, I know at Adobe, we had at one of our big summit events, we had Rana June, she came in and showed how she was trying to measure emotions. But again, it's like, you got to hook people up to it and then you can see how they react to emotional things. So with that in mind, because we can't do that, what I've come to the best way of measuring it is to first just say, okay, it's an A plus B equals C type of a thing. If we know the data, like we know that the trigger point is X, this is our strategy. We're saying, whatever, mothers don't have enough time for themselves. They need to, you know, we need to stop having ads that are about um, time, but really ads that are about focusing on yourself, like self-care. So if that's the strategy and we really get that from good data, then what we need to do is go back and say, okay, if that's the, that's the strategy, what's the emotion we're trying to get at? And if that is, you know, understanding or self-care or whatever that may be, then we just need to go out and create a whole bunch of creative stuff and put it out there really in the world. As long as it's hitting that strategy and, and there are some elements that need to be there. So in Paul Zak's model of neuroeconomics, it was, do you have an anomaly and do you have an emotion? Like those were the two things that he measured, anomaly and emotion. So anomaly, is it unique, different? you know, something that's going to stand out, like that's unique and then emotional, meaning, I don't know if that's nostalgia or like we said, if it's self-care, whatever that emotion is, as long as you have those two elements present in your, in your ad, your communication, your thing, then there's a good chance that you're going to get, you know, if, if you were to hook them up to a machine, you'd probably get a high rating on that. Right. So it's just a matter of making sure you had the ingredients there. If we can't go out and measure people and how do we measure trust, right? Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily going to be played out in did they click on X, but it's engagement. Like what we try and do at Adobe is like, are they engaged? Are they connecting? Are they still, you know, here with us? That's a good indication. Measure engagement. Stop worrying about clicks. Stop worrying about likes, you know, measure engagement. And how do you do that? Like we have an algorithm. There's different ways of people to get to that. But I would say, start with the basics of, are you hitting on the right strategy? Do you have the right anomaly? And do you have the right emotion present? If that's your case, you're going to be like 80% there. And then next, just see if people are, are staying along with you. So uh, there's one more thing about this. Jay Akunso has a really good line. He's like, it's not about getting people there anymore. Like for marketing, it was always about getting people to join in. Mm -hmm. Today, it's about keeping them there. It's not, it's like, if you have those ingredients and people are sticking around, then that's success. So measure that. How are you keeping people engaged? And don't even get me going on uh, likes and clicks. Seriously. I mean, or I impressions. Let's, I mean, let's talk about impressions. You know, you can have all kinds of impressions. But if they're not the right people or whatever, you know, who knows? Maybe it's not even the right thing to do. But anyway, so let's circle back really quickly. You talked about, I think you called it stepping away. And, and a CEO I worked with before, Peter Stamates at the Stamates company, he probably first taught me the whole thing about let's sleep on it. Not just negative stuff. Not just like, hey, you suck, Christoph. Go sleep on it and come mm -hmm. better with I mean, not like that. But like, hey, we should do this. We should do that. Let's sleep on it. And and I, can, I know, Adam, why some of these people, why some of these executives 
are wanting to check things off the list. Let's make a decision right now. Let's, you know, let's not step away. Let's not, I need an answer before the board meeting at 8.30 in the morning. Who schedules board meetings at 8.30? Seriously. I mean, but that's why that happens, right? So stepping away Mm -hmm. certainly is important. But on the other hand, here's my question for you. What's the right interval? What's the right timeline? I mean, like, so I could step away forever and ever, right? I'm still thinking about Mm -hmm. it. And here we are three months later. I mean, what's like, what kind of timeline do you recommend for people? It's not crazy timeline. I would say it all depends on the severity or the level of the experience. If you're saying, do we want to have, you know, red party cups or green party cups at our, at our company party? You don't have to sleep on that, right? Like, it's just ridiculous. In fact, here's a good, here's a good um, metaphor to follow for it. The difference between like a calculator and a super, and like a, a nice brand new laptop, right? State of the art. Those are really like our two systems. Like if you get into um, neuroscience, they'll talk about your slow and your fast system. Your slow system is your logic. Your fast system is your emotions. And there's a time and a place for both. So you don't have to sleep on everything. The amount of time it should take, if it's, a, if it's an experience that has very few variables. So think of this, if it has only like, a couple variables, two to three, then you don't have to sleep on it. You can go fast on that. Those are just logical, quick decisions. That's like you, we still pull out calculators and use a calculator, even though we have these awesome computers, right? We still use a calculator. But if it's something that's complex and has a lot of elements, a lot of uh, variables, um, such as, you know, you know, in, in selling, it's like if someone's buying a couch or if they're buying a car, there are so many, or buying a house, I mean, those, there, there are a lot of elements in those decisions. So I would say if it's a decision that you're trying to make where it's like, okay, we're pivoting our business and there are a lot of variables that weigh in on it, then that's one that you need to sleep on. At least, you know, for me, like when I'm doing the creative process, it's not like it's weeks and months. It's just a day, you know, overnight. Maybe it's the next day. Maybe it's one more day, just if you, if you need more time to chew on it. So more variables, more time. But, um, that's what I'm saying. Like find the appropriate amount of time for the, the decision. And just like our emotional systems, it's use that, that, that computer. So you got to know when to use the calculator, when to use the computer, fewer variables, go fast, use your checklist, a lot of variables. Uh, you need to, you need to let your emotional system kick in for a while. Yeah. And the other thing too, when it comes to some of those meetings where people lead them, I mean, they just want you to make their decision, right? They, I mean, whatever they want to mm. do, whatever their ideas, how do you, how do you get around that? How do you get to true collaboration? So if you leave and you bring your ideas and I bring my ideas, how do you, uh, you know, how do we move forward? What do, how do we know what the best idea is? And I, I've literally, Adam, had people tell me to my face, that's, we have a good relationship, I guess, but they said to me, you literally have to say uh, one to three crappy ideas before you can have a good one. And I'm like, you are correct. <laughs> well, the, the, unpacking it, there are two parts to what you're asking. Yeah, Absolutely, there are low-level ideas. And when you mm-hmm. dig into it and you start making your first-level associations with things, you're just going to get the, the stuff that's already been done. Mm-hmm. To get to good ideas, you know, in the creative world, it's like I'd have to come up with 100 television ideas or, you know, write 100 headlines before I get to some that are, like, really awesome. But to be honest... Later on in your career, you're, you get a lot faster at burning past those bad ideas and they don't even make it on the page. You know what I mean? So that's where someone who's truly a, like an expert creative, it's just that they're just getting past those bad ideas faster than you. That's really what it is. In terms of like, how do you make a decision around a creative idea as a group? 
that's really hard. And even, you know, anyone who comes to the table with an idea will think their idea is the best one because they've spent the most time with it. And what I found is it's really hard. Like, again, an intuitive leader goes a long way because the intuitive leader will take away the ego. Far too often, you'll get the CEO who comes to us and says, oh, we got to do this. 1984, Apple was so successful. I want to do that. But instead of, you know, putting Apple in there, let's just do us, you know. So many times, <laughs> that's just a terrible, terrible idea. And the CEO or the leader who's going to bring ego to it and think that they have the best ideas, that's, that's just a disaster. Um, so a leader who can listen to all the ideas and really understand the best ones, that's huge and important. And if it's a committee doing this, we usually do what's called the paperclip test, where we'll put like, whatever, all a dozen ideas on the paper, on the whiteboard or on note cards. And everyone gets three paper clips or three little dots or three X's. And let's just, you know, collectively see why one, you know, everyone's going to always mark their own. Sure. But they'll at least mark one or two others that resonate with them and connect with them. And collectively, we will all at least, especially if it's a blind test, we won't, it won't be alive because we'll we'll see which ones get the most marks and it'll be pretty obvious. Okay, that one's clearly resonating with more people and it's not an ego thing. So let's start focusing in on those ideas. So there there are tricks to, to getting past that, but it's really hard. I mean, everyone has ego, even if you think you don't. Right, and, and, and yeah, my ideas are always the best. So anyway, I'll, I will take that back for homework, Adam. I, I'll try to speed up my getting to the good idea thing as I'm moving along. Uh, but that is that is true. Sometimes you have to just kind of talk it through. Um, so on the other end, though, how do we get people on board? How do we sell creativity? I mean, I, I just saw a thing the other day again, and it said something about, oh, we're not looking to build a brand. We just need some leads. And I'm like, but how do you, how do you, like, if nobody knows you, how, how are you going to do that? You know mm. what I mean? Like, and then we, I do hear the creativity thing a lot too. Oh, we don't need to be creative. We just need to do it. We did have Sam Horn on the show. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she talked about the whole, um, I, I would call it a rhyme. That's not the official term, right? But um, Java jackets, right? Instead of, I mean, making it memorable, for example. And there's mm. a certain creativity with some of those things. Um, how do we really truly get people's buy-in? Uh, I mean, why is Adobe, um, you know, making it a priority to to be creative and have people like you lead the charge? All right, there's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, <laughs> is selling. Um, let's start with selling. Uh, how do you sell good ideas? I, I would say, again, going back to like, there's the two parts. You you can't just walk in with only emotion, and you can't just walk in with only logic. I mean, as as humans and emotional creatures and logical creatures, like we need all of it. Usually the, the best way for me to sell through creative ideas, because sometimes they're scary. Um, there are a lot of people who like to um, inundate their brains with numbers and statistic and operations. I mean, look at the boards of directors of most companies. That's, that's what they put the, the priority on. And they've just, uh, you know, grown accustomed to just focusing only on those elements and they get really good at that, but then they're really bad at, at emotional parts. Um, so when you are, I mean, I have a whole different presentation on like the different types of people and how you can persuade and, and depending on where they're at. But the reality is like at the heart of it, what you're trying to do is connect logically and emotionally. So if I were to go into a meeting, the first thing I would say is, all right, what are the things that we've agreed on? If there's a strategy, is there a business strategy? Is there some sort of a like checklist? I'm going to come in with a new idea and then I'm going to 
first of all, have them feel it. Then I'm going to go back and say, logically, here's how that idea matches up to all of these top five things on your checklist or your strategy. And then once you've got the checklist, obviously, now let's stop thinking about the checklist and just feel it because your customer is only going to focus. They're not going to care about the checklist. They're going to care about what they're going to feel from this thing. So if it's on brand, if it's saying the right things, even if it's like a different emotional thing that you're not used to because you're a numbers person, that's where you just needed like that sleep on it. Like just think about it. But half of the selling is getting them to admit and accept that it's like, all right, checklists, logic, and emotion check. If the emotion's connecting with our brand, then great. Then we just need to try it. And that's where you just have to be bold. And if people are scared and they can't do it, then good luck. Like there, there are a lot of ways to try and persuade people, but that's just selling ideas. Selling creative ideas is tricky. But, you know, but it is hard to step out of your comfort zone, right? And I mean, even so my comfort zone, it, it, it's I'm fine on camera, right? But the other day I sent a proposal, Adam, and they said, could you send me the answer to something? And, and I, I don't know if they, they didn't say words, right? They said, could you send me what you would do in this scenario or something like that? And I recorded a video and I started off like this. And I knew they were looking for something written because people always look for something written for some reason. But I sent them a video and I said, hey, uh, it's Christoph, and you know, here's my answer to how I would do that and how we should do it. And just to be, I want to be upfront, I'm doing a video because marketing is a big part about marketing is to stand out. And I bet you I'm the only one who's sending you a video. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that took some yep. guts, right, to say that because if he goes, Oh, what a stuck up dude or something, you know, just by kind of trying to put some, put a little bit of a tongue in cheek in there. Um, so again, you kind of, uh, you're putting yourself out there for sure. Um, fantastic. So you just, uh, what's your book? The book came out when? The book came out last year. It's called Sorry Spock, Emotions Drive Business. And the purpose of the book oh. is that um, so many times in, in marketing, you know, when I worked in ad agencies for almost 20 years, there'd be so many clients that would just say, no, enough with the emotional creative stuff, just the facts, put it on the billboard and we're done, right? Yeah. I, I met so many of those people, again, who had just focused on the logic stuff and they thought that was everything. So for me, it was like, I want to take the subjectivity out of it. And I went back and did a ton of research on neuroscience and scientific studies and everything I could to prove the value of creativity and why it's better for business and the bottom line. And it's not subjective. So mm-hmm. that's what the book is. It's to prove to people who are just like, logical left thinking like i am just a sales and i don't care about all this marketing mumbo jumbo like that's what it is it's to say here's why creativity without any um subjectivity it's not like normally in the business we'd be like oh see this case study apple did this therefore you know creativity is totally important and the same people will look at that case study and say no it's because of xyz logic 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 so that was my point of the book proving the value of creativity and then now beyond that if you go to you know my my whole show and podcast of real creative leadership it's moving beyond that it's like how do we have the base of like, it works, creativity is better and we're humans. And then here's how we as leadership can make creativity a bigger part of business and marketing and decisions and everything and make an impact. So that's what it's all about. And the, the book is available on your website. That link is in the show notes, um, right? That's the one we talked about earlier. Yeah, I mean, any platform, uh, Amazon, anywhere you buy books or you can find it, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the new world we're in. Um, and mm-hmm. um the one thing I really like too, what you mentioned is, I think it's very easy for people to be very black and white, right? It's this way or it's that way. 
And, you know, you mentioned that a couple of times, and I think it was embedded even in the last answer a little bit here. Uh, you have to bring emotion and you have to bring logic, not just one or the other. Uh, but I think sometimes, you know, even the, the storyteller in me, it's like emotion, emotion. How do we get people, you know, uh, excited about this topic? And then sometimes you, you just give me the numbers. But but you need both. You need both. And I'll tell you this. Here's the funniest part that I love is so many times people come at me and be like, oh, no, we're targeting IT people, let's say. IT, they're very logical and linear people. And you just need to be very direct and blunt with them. And I say, I don't think that IT people have a unique brain compared to the rest of us. I think we're all human, right? Like, let's just establish that fact. And if you agree with that, then I can show you the science that their brain runs the same neurotransmitters as mine, and they're not unique. And the truth is they are emotional. They just may like, you know, maybe it's like the latest Marvel, you know, movie they're geeking out about. Whatever, we're all emotional, we're all logical. That's the way all of us are wired. And it's that balance of bringing those both together We just keep trying to say like, and this is just not now, this is like throughout history. You look all the way back to Descartes. You look all the way back to like the the foundation of America. It's like, if we can be rational beings and get rid of that animal instinct, then we will make great decisions. And that's just false. It's it's (laughs) actually both of it that's required to make great decisions. My goodness, nothing is easy and everything is difficult. Adam, Morgan, really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your insights. You bet. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Check out all the links where you can find Adam in the show notes um, and um, check him out. Take a look at the book. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching on the live stream. If you were here, really appreciate everyone for tuning in. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.